welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. It's February 15th, 2024, and this is Off Chain, your weekly recap of the biggest stories in the crypto space. I am Matthew House Barbie, and as always, I'm here with Austin Knight. How's the past week been, Austin? Oh, uh, well, we're up, Matt, once again. Uh, good news in, in the world of Bitcoin. Also, how about this? Even better. CoinGecko is saying that they're predicting that the Bitcoin having is going to happen on 420. <laughs> Send it. Send it. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, yeah, it's been uh it it feels like we've been going up in like Bitcoin price by like almost like an incremental $1000 per day uh this past mm-hmm. like 4 or 5 days. It's like literally what it's been doing. It's been beautiful to watch. Um I've been getting screenshots of the bitcoin price in my whatsapp from friends and it's been very lovely to see but it still (laughs) feels like we're just getting started um yeah which we're going to be talking a little bit about in today's episode we're going to be talking about the btc rally and austin you're going to be sharing a little bit around like the bitcoin etfs i'm going to share a little bit around uh the ethereum ecosystem as well and we're going to, this is a bit of ETF mania this episode, but I'm I'm going to share a little bit around the ETH ETFs and also like a, an interesting trade that I think could be placed right now. And we'll break that down a little bit. And we're going to kick everything off with everyone's favorite topic, JPEGs of a rock. You know, it's the, <laughs> the pinnacle of the pinnacle of crypto. So, uh, Without further ado, let's let's jump into our first story of the day. Sotheby's, the world-renowned auction house, which has been more than dipping its toes in the waters of crypto over the past, what, 12 months, is now auctioning off an ether rock. Uh, this, in my mind, means we gotta be back. This is the <laughs> uber-bullish... Uh, kind of piece. And I think, you know, for, for those in the NFT space, as when Sotheby's started to enter the scene, um, I think the early last year in particular, um, you know, it, it was a real sign, stamp of approval of legitimacy, I, I think. And now uh, this is like the kind of the love it or hate it of the uh of the of the nft space and the crypto space at all ether rocks if you're not super familiar with them uh you might remember them from back in the peak of the bull run when literally these jpegs of a single giant rock that is is it's literally a clip art image of a rock um is what and there was a they were an nft collection there's a hundred of them in total they were one of the first uh, NFT collections to truly be released. They were launched in 2017, shortly after CryptoPunks. Um, but it was even before, like, obviously before ERC721 and um, 1155 were, were released. So before all these token standards were around, they were like a 100 collection. And yeah, they're just varying, very similar clip art images of rocks. And in the peak of the 2021 bull run, I think we had an episode when this happened, Austin. One of those rocks uh, sold for $1.3 million. 
So, you know, there's clearly provenance to them. Uh, and I, <laughs> I, I just, I love to see, I thought like I have the, uh, a Twitter account that I follow that I think is just a bot that tracks any sales of ether rocks. And whenever I see tweets come up that a rock has been sold, I know we're back. And uh, so <laughs> <laughs> it's great to see Sotheby's actually have an estimated uh, sale price of between five hundred to seven hundred thousand uh, dollars for the the Ether Rock in question. It's the auction started yesterday, and it ends on the twenty first. Uh, let me see if uh, if I can actually see where the auction's at right now. I don't know if I can. I think it might be like a private auction. Uh, yeah, it's a private auction. I don't know if I can actually see the exact price, but they estimate it to be between 500 and 700 K, um, <clears throat> which, which is, you know, pretty interesting in itself. And, um, this, this is, uh, <laughs> this is kind of interesting. Cause I remember when the ordinals first came on the scene early last year, we did an episode all around the launch of ordinals and, what the first project that I actually found when I started going down the rabbit hole and I, I literally went down the rabbit hole pretty much right after um, Ordinal's kind of paper was released by Casey Rudimer and um, Bitcoin Rocks was one of the first to to kind of launch. And that was just basically a nod to the fact that Ether Rocks are also synonymous with being an early project that holds provenance in the space. So <clears throat> I think it's kind of interesting. It's kind of funny. It's one of those things that you show this to people outside of crypto and they'll go, wow, crypto is such a joke. And then, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's clearly not. But I love to see it. So uh, what do you think, Austin? You're going you gonna bid to on, bid on this Ether Rock auction? <laughs> oh, I don't know, Matt. I mean, you know, you're making me you're making me think here. Earlier you said Sotheby's entering the NFT space was a mark of legitimacy for NFTs. And now I'm starting to think actually maybe Sotheby's entering the NFT space was a mark of illegitimacy for Sotheby's. <laughs> With their ether rocks. <laughs> well, you know, who knows? Maybe Sotheby's being able to auction off an ether rock actually legitimizes Sotheby's uh, by simply <laughs> being associated with a truly legitimate campaign and project in, in ether. Uh, not to be uh, underestimated ether rocks. They have, uh, I mean, time and time again, they've, they've held their value. So people care mm -hmm. about it. Um, and it's, well, it's a really funny. old original NFT project, right? And there's only <laughs> what, like a hundred of them. Exactly. Right? So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's the that's the kind of piece here. I mean, similar with punks, um, they they are somewhat timeless in the short time period of of crypto, and they do mark a period of time that is ultimately is, is and quite literally etched into the history of crypto. So, regardless what you kind of think about this, you know, this is art, and uh, you know, it's in the it's in the eyes of the beholder, and yeah, I. I, I will say, while I have no desire to own an Ether Rock, I get it. I, like, I, I, I do, objectively, I get it. Um, and I think there is a lot of kind of people that are in the crypto space that would like to own an Ether Rock. Um, so I think it's one of those where they don't... It's actually one of the few NFT collections 
that just don't rely on an individual or a company or something like that, like delivering some kind of like utility, right? You look at like board apes, right? They have to keep that community going. It needs to remain prestigious to be a part of it. Etherox don't. They don't need to do anything. In fact, if they started doing something, I think it'd actually be detrimental to to, to Etherox. I think that is the the piece. They are just pure, straight up collectibles, and that's it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, let's uh, talk about legitimacy. Let's let's move into the second story of the day, and we'll dive into the Bitcoin ETFs. Inflows to Bitcoin ETFs have reached new heights, and it's powering a nice Bitcoin rally. So Woo! if you haven't looked recently, yeah, uh, Bitcoin is currently hovering around the 52K mark. Last week, it started at 42K. So that's that's a gain of greater than 20%. You're going to um, make me cry it's... here, Austin. This is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tearing up over here. It's getting emotional. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, so what? why is this happening? Well, yesterday, the BlackRock ETF, known as the iShares Bitcoin Trust, received a $493 million inflow and now has $5.1 billion in assets under management. Uh, Just to kind of put this into perspective, Eric Balkunas, uh, Bloomberg intelligence analyst, uh, tweeted, quote, IBIT is popping off, took in nearly half a billion all by itself yesterday, showing an unusually strong second wind for a new launch, is now over $5 billion, which puts it in the top 7% of all ETFs by size in just 23 trading days. It's unbelievable. It's it's, it's truly remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, it it really is. The fact that not only has it gotten so large in such a short period of time, but that it's also outpacing its initial inflows. Right. Like you usually expect to get a really big pop any time that a new ETF is launched. But the Bitcoin ETFs, they're they're on pace to uh, to outcompete their original inflows right now. Um, Fidelity Investments Wise Origin Bitcoin Fund, which is known as FB. TC, they're approaching $4 billion in assets under management. So this isn't just like one big fish with the BlackRock ETF. Um, In fact, IBIT and FBTC are the fastest growing newly launched ETFs of all time. It's um, it's just wild. And I think the the kind of the, the really cool thing about this is actually for, for most of us, myself included, right? Like, the way these flows have played out is almost been in reverse and it's just so much better this way, right? Like it, it was a slow start. Well, it actually wasn't a slow start. It's just, we had the huge outflows of grayscale GBTC, right? And that kind of put a bit of a gray cloud over all of this uh, uh, inflows that were happening elsewhere. But now, you know, <laughs> it's it is just like, it's relentless. And make no mistake, this is fueling the price action, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, but, you know, you're right, Matt. I think that uh, even the analysts are kind of surprised here. Um, across the board, what I was seeing is analysts saying that 
they definitely foresaw significant demand for the Bitcoin ETFs, but the net inflows have been larger than expected. And I think that that's the key there. The net Kramer, inflows. Kramer is in disbelief. He is in disbelief right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so you mentioned the uh, GBTC that, that was sort of like pulling down uh, the market a bit here because of all of the outflows that were that were happening there and we we covered that several episodes ago but what's blowing the analysts away is the net inflows so what you know e- even if you account for the the outflows from GBTC still the net inflows are 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 just remarkable um in fact Matt Hogan the chief investment officer at Bitwise said quote I actually think there will be a secondary acceleration in a few months when these get onto national account platforms. So yep. the outlook in general from analysts is positive. But what's happening with Grayscale's GBTC? Uh, currently, they are actually sitting on the most cash. They have over $22.9 billion in assets under management. But importantly, that is down from $28 billion when it converted to an ETF on January 11th. And they've actually seen net outflows every day since then. Uh, The other nine U.S. spot Bitcoin ETFs have more than offset the more than $6.5 billion of net outflows from GBTC. The net inflows for all 10 of those amounts to nearly $3.8 billion. So we've outpaced that $6.5 billion outflow to the tune of $3.8 billion in net inflows. And in fact, on Tuesday alone, there were $631 million of net inflows into Bitcoin ETFs. Wow. Okay, I've got a little bit of trivia for you, Austin, which uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> for everyone listening, it, we, I, I have not primed Austin with the answer to this. Do you, what would be your guess on the total flow for gold ETFs? in the same time period or since the start of this year, sorry. Um, you had to you know what, Matt? I mean, it's, it has to be in the tens of billions of dollars, right? That's what I, that's what I would have thought. There's negative 2 billion in outflows. So no way. Right. So when you compare this to what everyone says, like, you know, can it be a success compared to like the gold ETF, Bitcoin is absolutely destroying it compared to gold, right? So that, I saw that stat today and I was like, wow, that that is like very impressive In, in when you consider that as like a general barometer. I, I just think that this cannot be underestimated. We were talking, Austin, when we, before we, we started recording about how, and, and I'm sure many of our listeners might have noticed this starting to see some real changes in the trading volume and patterns that start to happen in like the price of Bitcoin, where you're starting to see this sync up a little bit more with the US market open times and a lot of trading activity happening around market open. You know, this is an a completely like fundamental shift in the trading behavior around BTC that's being driven by the ETFs. And, you know, traders are adapting, the market's adapting. I think the fact that we had 
this slow start because of GBTC, and now we're just letting rip. This is a very, very promising setup, especially ahead of the the halving, which we've been talking about over the past few weeks, right? Um, I just think, you know, I, I don't think structurally we have been set up like this in the crypto space ever. And without becoming an it's different this time meme, I truly do believe that we have not been positioned better for a major rally. It's not to say that we will, uh, but we are structurally set up in a way that we never have before from a liquidity level, from a demand level, and from a whole wider macro level to support an outsized rally in BTC and the, the wider space that I'll bleed over into. Yeah. Now, Matt, maybe this is a, a bit of a leap that I'm taking here, but thinking about those gold numbers, you said a net outflow of around $2 billion. The mm. same period, we had net inflows of around $3.8 billion into the Bitcoin ETFs. Do you think there could be some type of a relationship here where maybe some investors are pulling some of their exposure to gold and putting it into Bitcoin? It's it's an interesting theory. I I I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. I, what I will say is maybe structurally on the gold side. I know that we were like on an absolute tear with gold. What was it? December. I think it hit like an all time high. Um, I, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, so that that's probably maybe that's cooled off a little bit. But um, it, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, like that there is a similar case to be made for both um but what is undeniable is that bitcoin is flavor of the month right and uh and i think it's just adding more and more legitimacy to this as a part as an asset within portfolios that not only have we got all of these major uh, financial institutions issuing ETFs, but also those investors are all in the green. What a great way to start your exposure to Bitcoin. (laughs) It's pretty good, right? Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. All right. Well, why don't we, this is a nice jumping point. Why don't we jump off from BTC and, uh, and jump into the wonderful world of Ethereum and what we think's to come. We've talked about the Bitcoin ETF. Uh, spot ETF applications. Next up, as we discussed previously, the narrative is going to shift heavily to the Ethereum spot ETF applications, which are coming in thick and fast. May 23rd, 2024 is is the date that matters. It's the only one that matters. It's the final deadline for VanEx ETF, um, uh, ETH ETF uh, approval. They were the first to file. Um, and while is not definitely the case. It's highly likely that the SEC will take a similar approach to what they did with the Bitcoin ETF and just approve or deny all of them on the same day. Um, So we've seen Franklin Templeton, uh, the beautiful laser-eyed financial institution. Uh, If you've you've seen... It's it's great, (laughs) isn't it? Their their Twitter profile has got laser eyes. It's wonderful. Um, uh, they, They were the latest issuer to apply. Um, and they've joined VanEck, BlackRock, ARK Invest 21 shares, Grayscale, Hashdex, Invesco Galaxy, and Fidelity. Um, 
in in this, and we'll we'll likely see more. The and, and you know we talk about uh, laser eyes from from Franklin Templeton. I think one thing that's been really great to see actually uh, from both the Bitcoin ETFs, well, in particular the Bitcoin ETFs, and now also the the the, pen, the, the hype that's coming from the Ethereum ETFs is the kind of level of engagement we've started to see from these big financial institutions really getting deep into the meme culture of crypto. And uh, there's been some just great stuff on, on crypto Twitter, like Vanek, uh, we've, we've seen in particular with Fidelity and, and also Franklin Templeton doing some really fun stuff. So that's a bit more playful, but it is, it is useful. It normalizes this as an investment uh, kind of vehicle. But here's so why are we talking about Ethereum ETFs? Other than kind of you know it's a it's a potential big moment in the Ethereum kind of timeline. Well, here's why I think there's something interesting here, <clears throat> and if you are a longtime listener of the podcast, you'll remember in November 2022. No, yes, November 2022. We talked about the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust being trading at a 40% discount to NAV. And we said at the time, wow, if you've got if you've got the stomach for it, buying this trade now could mean enormous upside if this thing ever gets converted into a spot ETF. Well, you know, that played out. Now, did me and Austin make that trade? Absolutely not. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, uh, but we would have loved to say we did. But I think there's a similar trade to be made uh, right now or a case to be made around this trade. Of course, this is not financial advice, but I want to break it down because the same thing plays out here. The Grayscale Ethereum Trust. So ETH-E. This right now is priced at a discount to NAV currently between 13 and 15%. Yesterday it was 15%. I think there's been some trading activity around this. It was 12.9% uh, this morning. I think we're hovering around 13% now. Um, what and, and actually, I should pause and say, you know, what does it actually mean to be a discount to NAV? Well, if you buy shares in the uh, Ethereum trust from Grayscale at a 15% discount to NAV, NAV stands for net asset value, it means you're buying shares at a 15% discount to the spot price of ETH. So um, if Grayscale are successful in being able to convert the trust to a spot ETF, what you will see is that this discount to NAV will, will vanish. The reason why there's a discount is basically just the uncertainty that this will not be able to be converted to a spot ETF, so it trades at a discount. And if you believe that the one spot ETF for Ethereum is going to be approved, and two, that Grayscale are going to be able to convert this into a spot ETF, well, means that you'll be able to sell with a locked-in gain of around 15% in ETH terms. So obviously the main risk is if this doesn't get converted into a spot ETF and or, you know, the ETH ETFs are denied. In this case, the discount to NAV would grow and widen dramatically, meaning your shares would drop relative to ETH spot price. But, you know, I think if you, if you feel like the, the same story is going to play out on the ETH ETF side as, as uh, it did with Bitcoin, this could be a killer trade. I, I, I really like this. And I'm surprised that there's not a ton more discussion around it. 
we'll uh you'll have to hold me honest here austin and you know when we get to near the end of may we'll we'll, we'll look back and we'll see how this actually played out um because <clears throat> i think it's going to be pretty interesting here's here's what i here's my prediction and bear in mind this is just my opinion i have no insider knowledge i'll just clarify this my prediction is that the ethereum spot etf from van Eck and all of them are that are on the list probably pending a few adjustments are approved on may 23rd 2024 hmm. grayscale is allowed to convert their eth e uh, grayscale ethereum trust to a spot etf and i also believe that they will decide to maintain high fees fees that are multiples higher than the rest of the issuers as a result I think we see a large volume of outflows from ETH-E, similar to how GBTC happened in the first couple of weeks. From a combination of holders taking that sweet profit, right, from the discount to NAV, so why would you not? And then rotating into lower fee issuers. I think, like what we've seen before, Fidelity, BlackRock in particular, will gobble up a ton of market share in the Ethereum spot ETF um, marketplace. Uh, sorry, market. What I also think will happen, which will be different to the BTC ETF, is the outflow impact from um, ETH-E on Ethereum's price will not be anywhere near as pronounced as when this happened to Bitcoin. Um, because I think the market's going to anticipate this. We are, we've seen this play out. The concern at the time was, holy shit, it's $28 billion worth of assets under management that GBTC holds and shit, we're going to get continuously dumped on and it's just going to keep driving down price. That's why we 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 drive down Bitcoin price to what was it, like 38K, right? And now where are we sitting today? A couple of weeks after that, 52K. I think that the dip in price that we will still see Outflows will make an impact, make no mistake. I don't think it will be anywhere near as big as the, the impact it made on BTC. I think the reason why is the dip is going to be bought aggressively. And yes. I think what that sets us up for is a supercharged ETH rally through the second half of the year. I, yeah. you know, I've been saying for the past 12 plus months now that I love everything that's happening in the Bitcoin space, that ETH is my highest conviction bet that, that I've had. Um, my bags have been packed since around <laughs> March of, of last year. And this is, this is the, this is the play for me. And I think if, <clears throat> if we think Bitcoin has been good, if things play out here, I think ETH is going to get the mother of all rallies that, that come from this. And the, the biggest blocker to all this is if big Gary decides to try and lay down the law and, deny the spot etf that would be harmful no doubt but if they don't we're in a we're in really exciting territory um moving off after that oh yeah big time yeah matt i'll uh, i'll never forget sitting in a pizza shop in boston with you in 2016 and you telling me about the fundamentals and the mechanics of eth and how interesting it was and it's just amazing to see 
where we are now. So you say that your bags have been packed for a few months. I know they've been packed longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Austin, I'm, I'm great at fumbling my bags as well. So to make no, <laughs> make, make no mistake, but, uh, you know, like, like I say with, uh, with Bitcoin and the, the market being different this time, I am trying to be different this time. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of exciting stuff coming. I think ETH has, um, so when I look at Bitcoin, right, what excites me about Bitcoin, just to, while we wrap this up is, yes, we've got the uh, BTC kind of um, ETFs approved. We have structural differences now, improvements in the, the flows of capital, the liquidity coming into the market. That is net new and positive. And we also have some major catalysts in terms of narratives and economic changes. We've got um the halving an economic and somewhat narrative change then we've got a few other pieces alongside this we've already seen the impact of the likes of ordinals in terms of bitcoin activity i think that's only going to ramp up and then i think we see an increased uh wave of momentum that comes in this surge in bitcoin DeFi, which i think me and you are going to be talking a lot about over the next 12 months mm -hmm. and similarly the same story is to be had from ETH. But the thing I love about ETH is ETH benefits. It kind of rides under the wing of Bitcoin. When Bitcoin benefits from all this stuff, ETH largely does as well. It's like, you know, it's being dragged up by the scruff of its neck by Bitcoin. And uh, that's, that's beautiful. But ETH also has some incredibly big narrative plays coming its way alongside all of this, right? So you've got the ETH spot ETF. That, if approved creates structural differences that we talked about uh, with, with BTC, whole new layers of liquidity coming into ETH. Then we have an enormous narrative in the form of the uh, restaking kind of whole meta that's going to be driven by um, Eigenlayer launching near the end of Q2. Again, perfect timing, similar to the, the Bitcoin halving around that kind of momentum uh uh, kind of stage then alongside this I think we have this other piece that personally is where I think is going to be the most exciting area for institutional investors which is and you know I talked about this I think it was a couple of weeks ago um, with a staked ETH ETF much more challenging to get over the line but I think that becomes a, a theme mm -hmm. and then in amongst all this we've got the modular blockchain thesis data availability we've got the upcoming uh, Denkin upgrades, like all, all these pieces that are focused on scalability. And I just feel, and bear in mind, and we haven't even had rate uh, cuts yet. So it's just, we're positioned well, <laughs> where, uh, you know, it's it's hard not to be bullish here. I, I try to self sense check myself in situations like this. I'm like, am I getting carried away? And uh, I mean, objectively, yes, I am getting carried away. But, you know, we're, we're positioned with so many kind of, potential momentum waves that it's just hard to get away from you know the excitement that this could bring and i think that that is just delivering confidence in the the markets for in the crypto markets specifically and i think these two assets uh bitcoin and ethereum uh the bedrock of really the the ecosystem um are are going to bring a lot of new capital in ways that they've never done before and I think uh, we, you know, we, I think we're both expecting over the next 18 months to see new highs. And that 
if it comes to fruition, is going to be great for everyone. No doubt about it. That fear and greed meter is inching further and further away from fear by the day. Oh, mine's like, you know, the needle broke on the, on my meter. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's blasted off the edge. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's great to feel this way. That We deserve it. We've been in the, uh, the, the, one of our several big bear markets we've, we've kind of really got out of now. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm excited for, for the year ahead. Uh, and Austin will get to spend it together. What a better way to, <laughs> to enjoy it. All right, let's wrap things up and uh, yeah, we'll see how things play out. And until then, I'll speak to you next week. Talk to you then, Matt. Contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.